talk this morning um, a little bit on a father's faith and it'll probably be a little different than what you think because that's how we generally do it. Um, the fathers um, often go unnoticed, unheralded, and unsung in our society um, today. They're often treated like the lesser parent or some people treat them like the grown child in the family. Um, I know some bad eggs have influenced the reputation of the rest, but uh, fathers often carry burdens and weights that nobody else sees. And they're often expected to hold it together uh, or be the rock or be strong no matter what happens uh, in the family or in, in their life. And fathers often deal with serious issues and pressures and they see and experience things that the rest of us don't. There's a weight, there's a responsibility that comes with um, being a father. And for some, we know that they can't deal with it and they end up taking off. And we're not going to talk about them today. But as fathers, we try to do what's best for our family. Um, that's what we're supposed to do. Fathers are supposed to provide and protect and lead and guide and teach and uh, make the hard decisions. You know, some of us, some don't, you know which leaves some of us with a bit of bitterness. But the failures of some don't change the responsibility and the calling that comes with being a father. We just have to look at, at God, who is our greatest example of fatherhood and how he loves and guides and corrects and protects and teaches and disciplines and leads and all those things the way he does it to us. Um, but for some of us, Fathers, because we've seen the ugliness of the world, we felt that weight, and the responsibility that weighs on us. Faith doesn't always come as easy for us. And faith can sometimes seem like an elusive thing. And so I want to, this morning, I want to talk to those of us who struggle with faith. And by faith, when I say it in this context of this sermon, I'm referring to believing God and his word, not just the faith that we talk about, you know, our beliefs and walking with God. I'm talking about, you know, believing that God's going to do something or God's going to heal or whatever, those sorts of things. I did mention the story that we're going to talk about on Sunday night. So if you were here, there's a part in it that may sound familiar. But we're going to look at a story of a father in, in the Bible who was in this very position. And in Mark chapter 9, we meet a father who's at his wit's end. His boy is in a bad spot, and he brings his boy to Jesus out of desperation. I'll set the scene for this story. And throughout this story, uh, Mark chapter 9, there's a theme running through it of faith and unbelief. And I believe that this is a reflection of our walk with God. A lot of times, there's a line that we walk, and sometimes it's easier for us to believe. Um, we go through times where it's easier to believe, and sometimes faith seems to come easy and naturally, and other times... It can be a bit of a struggle. And in the story, Jesus, he's taken three disciples, James, John, and Peter, up to a mountain. And um, he's shown them this incredible thing. We call it the, the Mount of Transfiguration. 
Um, and they see Jesus like nobody else has seen him to this point. He shows them some incredible things. They see Elijah and Moses um, with him and all this sort of stuff's going on. There's a cloud and a voice and it's just this really uh, unparalleled time. This hasn't happened before and uh, there's nothing like it. And while they're up here on the mountain, these three, um, the rest of the disciples are down at the bottom of the mountain. And while they're down there, Jesus and the three are up there. And a man brings his boy to be delivered of an evil spirit to the other nine disciples. And it says, when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them. And the scribes questioned him. This Jesus coming down off the mountain came to his disciples and sees this. And straightway, all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, why question ye with them? So Jesus comes down the mountain and he sees this big crowd around his disciples and the scribes, um, the religious people, leaders, and they like to cause problems from time to time in Jesus' ministry. And um, so he comes down and he sees them question the other nine disciples and uh, the people all rush to Jesus and they greet him and he turns his attention to the scribes and he says, what are you arguing about with my disciples? What's going on here? And what I like here is we'll find out that the disciples will try to cast out this evil spirit that the boy has and it didn't work and you know that's what's going on. But they were trying to do something that Jesus told them to do. He's even commissioned them to do it. They're unsuccessful in doing it and he'll tell them, he'll tell them later what they had wrong. But while they're here, they're trying to do something for God, and they're trying to do the right thing, and they're trying to help someone out. And it didn't go the way they had planned or the way they had even hoped or believed it would. And Jesus shows up, and the scribes are questioning the disciples, and they're trying to make the disciples feel bad about failing or stepping out in faith and it not working. And they're arguing with the disciples about this. And Jesus comes down, and he steps right in between the scribes and his disciples. I got a crowd gathers, but his focus is on his disciples. And his first reaction as he comes off the mountain is to protect his disciples, to guard them, to come between them and the criticism, the people trying to put some doubt on their ministry. He steps in the middle of the ones trying to exercise faith and the ones trying to belittle them. And I love that about Jesus because there are times when we as Christians, we'll try to take a step of faith and we'll step out in something and we'll go out of our comfort zone. Maybe we'll pray for someone on the spot we normally wouldn't or someone will come to us with a need and we'll do something by faith. We'll give by faith. We had a missionary here Wednesday and people gave. You know, we'll do these types of things by faith. Um, and even though we don't often preach it or say it from a pulpit because that doesn't really boost our faith, sometimes... When we take a step out in faith, it doesn't happen the way that we would like it to. Amen. Sometimes we pray for someone and they're not healed. And sometimes we'll say something by faith and it doesn't happen maybe right away. And sometimes we'll give sacrificially and we'll never see that again. Sometimes we'll take a step of faith and try to minister and that person won't receive it. These things happen and when they do... That's when all the critics come out of the, of the woodwork. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes they're inner critics as well. Sometimes it's us. Amen. Sometimes it's others. But what's great about this part of the story is when we step out in faith, Jesus has our backs, whether we fail or not, whether it works the way that we expect it to or not. 
And people are going to criticize. If people are going to criticize, Jesus is there. If people are going to doubt, he's still there. If people are going to question, Jesus is there. And so be willing to take that step of faith. This is just a freebie before we get to the main part. But be willing to pray that scary prayer or pray for healing or pray for deliverance or claim that promise because even if it doesn't look like it worked, Jesus is still there. Amen. And he's still there for you. And he's still for you. Verse 17 and 18, it says, And when one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And more so ever he taketh him, the spirit, and he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him, cast him out, and they could not. So this guy explains to Jesus, this father, he says, I brought my son. He's got an evil spirit. When it takes hold of him, um, he grinds his teeth. He foams at the mouth. It throws him around. He gets all rigid and stiff. And I, I did see this rigid thing once in Africa. It's super weird. I also seen a bit of a thrashing with someone. It's crazy. Um, it would be a frightening thing if that was your child doing this. Um, you know, some of us we have children that act out on occasion. Sometimes we don't know what to do with them. This is a hundred times worse than that. This is that you can't even you can't reason with this, you can't correct this. This is an evil spirit that's taken hold of him. And he explains this. He says, I brought him to your disciples that cast the spirit out, but they could not. And if you notice, Jesus doesn't attack the guy and defend his disciples like he does with the scribe. He doesn't say, Hey, you know what? Back off. You shouldn't expect this. He doesn't come between him. And the scribes, why? Because he sees through the heart. The scribes, they have an ulterior motive. They're trying to undermine the disciples. And there's a difference between, I don't know if this is the right word, but being disappointed in something not happening by faith and being critical. Some people just want to see you fail, even though it's not you, but they will blame you. Some really need a touch from God. And this guy is just a desperate father who wants to see his little boy delivered. And so he comes to Jesus and he says all this. And Jesus answers him and says, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. So we've got these two contrasting elements of the story here at the same time. On one hand, we have three disciples up on the mountain experiencing this credible time in the presence of God. On the other hand, we have nine disciples struggling just to cast out one evil spirit. We have some of them experiencing this incredible faith-building moment, seeing things that have never been seen before, and then we have others seeming to lack the faith to see a miracle that they've seen many times before. Two different things happening, and this is often how we live. On one hand, we experience sometimes these incredible faith-building moments, and we have these wonderful times in the presence of God where He does something maybe we've never seen before. And he calls us and he works a miracle. He moves in some mighty way and we get a revelation of who he is. And on the other hand, we have these times where we struggle with faith to see him do something we've already seen him do many times in the past. There's two sides. And as men and as fathers, I find this is often where we live because men by nature are practical. Some may say simple. Those people are rude. But men are, are practical. We like things that we can see or touch, hear or smell, things that we can fix with our own hands. 
or look up on YouTube how to fix with their own hands until we break it so much that we gotta get someone that knows how to do it to come do it. But we like tangible things. It's our desire, it's in our nature to provide for our family, to protect, to lead our family. And that's a very practical, tangible thing that you can touch and you can feel. We like to know things. Um, but faith is often the opposite of that. And when we walk by faith or we lead our family by faith, sometimes it looks like not knowing what the next step is, not knowing what's going to happen. It's an intangible thing, and sometimes it's leaving the protecting or the providing or the leading to someone else, to God, and not us. Sometimes it's taking our hands off, and that's hard for us to do sometimes. I find with us fellers, the faith doesn't always come as easy because we're often weighed down by the practical and the physical side of things, and that's what we understand, what we can touch and see and work with. And the story is a balance between these two things. We've got some guys experiencing this incredible spiritual faith-building moment and the other guys not knowing how to cope with or deal with a different spiritual moment. And Jesus responds to this man, and what he says, it goes out to the rest of the disciples and everybody around. He says, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? He says, how long do I need to be here for you to believe. How long do I have to put up with this? How many times do I got to do this over and over before you're going to get it? And at first, this kind of reads like a, a rebuke, like he's correcting them and he's you know, telling them off. But I think if you look closer, it's more of a, a lament of sorts. Jesus, he's been with them so long already and they've managed to see so many things already, but still they struggle with the faith necessary to see this one thing happen. And it's the same kind of response he gives when he talks to Philip before he's arrested. Um, Jesus said unto him in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you, shall, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father. And it sufficeth us. It's good enough for us. Just show us the Father. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And has, he has not known me, Philip. He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? He's like, Philip, I've been with you so long. Do you not get this? How have you not got this by now? It's the same kind of thing. And, and Jesus is experiencing this before uh, in Mark 9. And he tells, the man to bring, he tells the man to bring his son to him. And it says, when he brought him unto him, when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked the father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it hath cast him in the fire and into the waters to destroy him. And he said, but if thou canst do anything, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And so he brings the son to Jesus and the spirit does the thing that it does. And Jesus says, how long has it been happening? He says, since he's been a little child. And he says, if you can, if you can do anything, if you can, if you can help us. And again, we've got these two contrasts. We've got a man who has faith enough to bring his boy to Jesus and his disciples. It can't have been easy. He throws fits. Spirit takes a hold of him and he flails around. He goes rigid. He foams at the mouth. It's not really something you want to deal with in public. Um... 
mean, if you've got children, you've no doubt had that one tantrum where they refused to go and they caused a scene. And that, I don't like to cause any scene anywhere I go. I like to be invisible. And so if I have a child that's doing that, it just, I don't know what to do. I get a little worked up. I'm sorry to let you know that. I get a little... But if we, if that's, you know, that, that's something we've dealt with. Most of us, I would assume, my brother used to do that. My mother would just leave him sitting on the grocery store floor. We'll come back. Can't do that anymore. I don't know if people judge you differently than they did back then. But, you know, that that's something we don't want to deal with. And some people, parents, and now, now they don't want to take our kids shopping because... We don't want to cause a scene. We don't want to experience this and blah, blah, blah. And people won't even do it. But this guy, he's got a boy that falls on the ground, wails and foams at the mouth, and he's throwing himself in fires and all kinds of stuff. This isn't something that you really want to deal with in public and people are looking at you and, oh, what kind of father is this that he lets his boy do this? Um, and so he's just to, I would think, just to bring his boy out is a big deal. He's pushed past this sort of thing. He's got the boy somehow to, to Jesus through all the fits and the attacks. I can't imagine the spirit, the evil spirit that's got a hold of him didn't try to stop him at any point during this thing. And so he's got him there through all of this. He's got the faith and he's got the, um, the fortitude to, to, to persevere, to push through this, to get him to Jesus. And then he meets Jesus, and he comes down off the mountain, and he asks him what he needs, and he asks him to bring his son to him, and he, he's done the physical, the practical, the, the manual sort of thing that he can do by faith. He's done what he can do. He's done the part that he understands. But he doesn't understand how Jesus can deliver his boy. All he understands is that Jesus has done this sort of thing before. He's heard about this happening before. And men, again, we like to be able to explain and reason things. And some guys will even go so far as to, when they don't know something, just make it up. None of you guys. We'll just make it up. Kids ask us questions, we don't know the answer. Well, we'll just make something up. And that's that. That was before we all had cell phones. We could look things up. Then we can know the real answer sometimes. But some people will just make things up, and that just becomes a fact. I worked with people like that before. Now this guy, he, he's done what he knows and what he can do in the flesh. He's done the physical thing that he can do. Um, and to be honest, this whole thing doesn't make sense physically, that this is happening. It doesn't make sense to this father that his boy is possessed. It doesn't make sense that he's throwing fits. We like to explain things. There's no way he can explain this. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense that Jesus can just say words and, and it stops physically. You know, that doesn't make sense that his disciples couldn't do anything to help. It doesn't make sense that the religious guys are just standing around mocking everything instead of trying to help. None of this whole situation makes much sense practically. And sometimes we can hold ourselves back from what Jesus is able to do in our lives as fathers, as men, as people, the rest of us. 
So don't fall in those categories because it doesn't make sense. If you look, you know, I'm not trying to discourage you from doing anything, but baptism on the surface is just getting wet. I get wet all the time. You know, it doesn't, why is that any different? If we look at it that way, things don't make much sense. Raising my hands in worship, what's that going to do? Sometimes we won't do it because what's the point? Praying out loud, why? Someone else is doing it. Why should I do it? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> do these things. I'm not saying don't. But sometimes we don't see or understand the spiritual benefits of the physical actions that we do, and so we won't do them. But the thing is, we don't need to understand everything. I know this is going to hurt your feelings. But we don't need to understand everything. We don't need to know everything. Or how everything works spiritually. That's the faith part. That's where that comes in. Amen. And so the man says to Jesus, he says, if. Because he's desperately trying to believe here for his boy and for his family. He needs something to happen. He doesn't understand how it can happen. And so he says, if. And the Greek word in this verse, it means, where the if comes from, it means that there are some circumstances that are going to be introduced if the previous circumstances are true, then it's going to happen. If you can. So the little word if means that this man is not totally convinced that Jesus can. Because as a man, he can see how. He's put in the work that he could do. He's taken a step of faith. He's come to Jesus. He's brought his boy. He's presented the need. He's put it all out there. He's done what he can do. But now he's not so sure that Jesus can. He's not so sure that he can deliver his boy from this evil spirit. But the thing is, if you do what you can do, he will do what he can Amen. do. Amen. If you do what Hallelujah. you can do, right. leave it with him and he will do yeah what he can do. But the little word if, it reveals a lot. And the, the enemy would like to slip it in there, in our life. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but in that word there's a lot of power, there's a lot of sway, there's a lot being said. If the enemy can slip that into our prayers, he's already winning. Even if we have done the things that we're supposed to do, even if we've taken that step, or we've um, presented the need, or we've come to Jesus, that if gives way to doubt. How many times will we do this? If it's his will, let it be done. You know, if it's, if he wants to do it, if he can do it, what are we doing? We're giving ourselves a safety net. So if the miracle doesn't happen, or when the miracle doesn't happen, when that thing doesn't take place, then, well, it wasn't his will, obviously. Obviously, he didn't want to do it, or he couldn't do it. I'm in no means trying to undermine the will of God. I know that. Not every person will be healed of everything. I know that. But oftentimes our prayers lack power because we're praying with an if in our spirit. We're not quite convinced that he can heal. We're not quite convinced that he can save that person we're praying for. We're not quite convinced that he can deliver them. We're not quite convinced that he can provide or intervene or whatever the issue is. We often pray with an if in our attitude or spirit. And I've been guilty of this too. I'm not saying I haven't. But Jesus, what's his response to this man's statement? Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe. It's not as evident in the King James, but he takes the word that he, the man gives, the if, and he turns it around on him. In the English Standard, it says it like this. Jesus said unto him, If you can, repeating what he said, 
All things are possible for one who believes. So the problem isn't with Jesus. He can do it. There's no if he can. He can do it. The problem is with us and our faith. If we can believe, all things are possible. If we could just get a revelation of who Jesus truly is and the power that is truly in him. <laughs> we can quote the verses and the sayings, but do we, do, do we really believe it? We can say he's a healer or he's a deliverer or he's a way maker or he's a provider or he's a comforter, but we, do we really believe him? We may even take the step of faith. We may bring the need to be prayed for. We may do the things that we can do, but do we believe he's going to meet us? Whatever the need is, he can. Whatever the disease is, he can. Whatever the issue at home is, he can deal with it. He opens blind eyes and heals broken hearts. He saves lost souls. He takes persecutors and makes them missionaries. He causes lame to walk. He speaks peace to the storm. He shelters from the rain. He provides for our needs. He can do it. There's no if on Jesus' side. The if is on our side. If we have faith, if we believe, if we respond to his word, if we reach out, if we pray that prayer, if we go, if we step out. He tells his disciples that they couldn't cast the spirit out without prayer and fasting. He said this kind of thing comes forth not by nothing, come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So if they had prayed and if they had fasted, they would have cast it out. Cain and Abel, um, Genesis 4 and 7, it says, if thou doest well, the Cain after his sacrifice was rejected. He said, if you do well, shall thou not be accepted. If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. First Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. The onus is on us to do our part. If I do this, God is going to do this. If we believe, if we pray, if we fast, if we do well. And so what do we do when we seem to fall on the side of the line that this father was on? We find ourselves wrestling with the if. And the father, he responds to Jesus, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. He said, Jesus, I believe, but help me. Because there are times that when we struggle with faith, most of us, especially us fellows and fathers, It'd be nice if we just lived in this sort of constant believe anything can happen and it will. But we often don't because we, it's going to blow your minds, but we live in the physical. We see the day-to-day thing. We live in the practical. We see things in our lives that can cause us to doubt. We experience pain that causes us to wonder. It shouldn't, but it happens. And this man, he desperately wants his boy to be delivered, but he's so far in this. It's a struggle to see how Jesus can. He's physically done the things he can. He's brought the boy. He's come to Jesus. He's been open and honest with him. He's presented the need. He's done all that he can. But he's known the situation for so long that it's almost impossible for him to see life any other way. His boy's been like this for years. And nothing's changed. And when you're in a situation like that, it can be incredibly difficult to see through the eyes of faith, how Jesus can deliver. It's difficult to see how it can be different. You want it to be. 
You want Jesus to step in and intervene, to move in your family, to open doors, to provide, to heal your sick child, to bring peace and restoration. You've done everything you can to see it happen. You've been faithful. You've come to him. You've prayed. You've been honest with him. But there's that if always nagging in the back of the mind because we can't quite figure out how it's going to happen. Does this make sense? Amen. Life's been like this for too long. I've seen too many things. What's it going to be like after? And if that's you today, we need to pray the prayer that this father prayed. I believe, help my unbelief. I want this. But I'm struggling to see how. Help me believe. Help my unbelief. And as a father, as a man, this to me is one of the most powerful things that we can pray. As anybody, but especially as a father. I believe, help my unbelief, because you're admitting that you need Jesus to move. You're admitting that you can't do this on your own. You're admitting that you struggle with the faith part, how it's all going to work, how it's all going to happen. You're admitting that you don't know or you don't understand, and that's okay, because when you pray that, the second part of it, you're asking him to help. You're admitting, I, I, I believe, you know, I, I want to see this happen. I want to see you work in my family. I want you to move. I want you to lead. I want you to show and provide and all these things. And I'm just struggling to see. Help me believe. And the best thing we can do as a father, as a man, as a leader, is to ask Jesus to help me with my faith and ask him to teach me to walk by faith. Because if he does it, again, if, see? It's the man in me. <laughs> if. Because when he does, it's going to be better for me. It's going to be better for my wife. It's going to be better for my family. It's going to be better for my church and my community. There's another father in the New Testament, Jairus. He has the same sort of situation. He comes to Jesus because his daughter is sick and dying. And God works and God moves. When men pray, when men intercede, when men step um, up on behalf of their families, there's something that happens and God works in a mighty way. There's something powerful about a man who will pray, who will go to war spiritually for his family. And the father in this story, he did all that he could and all that he knew and all that he understood to do, but it wasn't until he took that last step, that last bit, when he prayed that, when he said that, God, I believe Help my unbelief. That's when Jesus responds. Verse 25. It says, Jesus saw the people. um, So the people came running together. He rebuked the foul spirit and said unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. Verse 26. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. And Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Jesus delivered that boy when his father said those things. He set him free and he sent that evil spirit back. And he, I imagine this you know, thing had been going on for a while. I imagine this father had tried whatever he could to solve this because that's what we do. We try to fix everything ourselves and figure everything out first. If something's going wrong, we try to fix it. That's what we do. When he didn't know what else to do, he turns to Jesus. And it was the best thing that he could have done for his family. 
Best thing you could do for his family. He had some faith. It was a big step to get that boy to Jesus. It was a big step to do that. And God is calling us to take that step. To walk by faith and not by sight, the Bible tells us. That's how we're supposed to live. And yeah, it's not the easiest and it doesn't come natural to most of us. But when we do, our families will be better for it. Our homes will be better for it. Our church will be better for it. Our neighborhood will be better for it. What happens when we pray the same prayer that our Father prayed? Because what happens when we're honest with Him? What happens when we stop pretending, we stop acting like we got it all figured out, we aren't struggling to have faith? What happens is Jesus responds. And Jesus moves and Jesus answers. And He can do that today. I believe. Help me. The contemporary English version says, I do have faith. Help me to have even more faith. Because we do have some sort of faith here today. We've come. Maybe some came because there was food afterward. They heard that rumor. I don't know. But you've come. We've made it. We've brought our needs. We've brought our families. We've done what we can physically do. There, are, there is faith here. I'm not saying there isn't. But today, we could just be struggling to push that a little further. And if that's the case, when we cry out this prayer, Jesus is going to respond because admitting that you're struggling with having faith takes faith. It takes faith to, to admit that. Why? Because you're admitting that you can't do it by yourself. And in fact, you don't even have the strength of the faith to see it come to pass. You're trusting Jesus will make up where you lack and you're trusting he will come through anyway. What does Jesus tell Paul when Paul's Talking about a weakness. It says, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. The best thing we can do as, as fathers, as, as mothers too, as Christians, for our families, if we're struggling with to have that faith, is to pray that prayer. Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Paul said, when I am weak, or where I am weak, he is strong. And when we can admit that to him, he makes up where we lack, and he comes through anyway. And although this message is sort of geared toward the fathers, it applies to all of us. And God is calling us to walk by faith. And he's drawing us closer to him. I know we're going to eat it in a bit here. Whenever they're ready, I don't know. But let's spend some time in prayer first. A bit of a different Father's Day message, I guess. But uh, I do know that as fathers, we can struggle with faith. I believe it. And you may look at me and think, oh, I got it all together. I just wear a suit. That helps it look like I do. There are times I struggle with it as well. We all do. So much that we deal with, that we see on a daily basis, that it can be hard sometimes. So we're going to pray that prayer again. If you've got a father near you, I want you to pray with them. Pray for them. They're trying to lead their family the best that they can. Everyone's looking to them for advice and strength and leadership. And usually on Father's Day, we get up here and bash all the men and tell them they need to be better. I'm not trying to do that today. I'm trying to encourage you that if you're struggling with this, 
pray it, and Jesus will make up for your lack. Jesus will come in and he'll honor that prayer. So we're going to pray. We're going to sing a song. Um, let's pray together. If there's a father again near you, why don't you pray with them? Um, if your father is not here, why don't you pray for them? Let's pray that Jesus would help us with our faith so that we can lead and we can do all the things that he's calling us to do. We can walk by faith. In Jesus' name. I hope that was clear. It made sense. I don't know. Let's just pray together this morning. Hallelujah. Jesus.